to church. People are amazingly receptive in the Christmas season. People who wouldn't otherwise come to church will at Christmas. Will you be the one to invite them? Really easy. Use those cards. I'm going to challenge you. If you will take three of them and just make it your assignment to hand out three invitations, just three. In some cases, you don't even have to say anything to the person. It's all written on the card. So if you take three of them and hand them out to people, that you can challenge yourself with. If you've never invited someone to church before, uh, Christmas is a great, great time to do that, all right? And the kids, just so you know, are doing their own uh, version of this using a new movie uh, that is going to be released next week that's called The Star, and it looks at the birth of Jesus from the perspective of these talking animals and whatnot. Uh, my wife and daughter saw a private screening of it last week, and it was actually pretty good, they told me. So the kids are going to be using that for the next four weeks as well as we prepare for Christmas. Are you still awake? Oh, oh boy, some of you are sleeping already. I know the seats are comfortable, okay, but try and, try and wake up. I'm going to tell you uh, something today that you probably never learned before from the scripture as we conclude how to survive the holidays. Maybe your holiday table is going to look something like that uh, when you have your friends and your family over or whatever you do, Christmas party at work, and you know, there's tension, there's relationship conflict. There's, oh, there's, and so we've been looking the last couple of weeks about uh, this idea of how do we actually make it through the holidays. Uh, we all smile and do all this on the outside, but sometimes they can be a very, very difficult time. Uh, how do we make it through them? Um, and we've, we've been talking about really a verse in scripture uh, that'll come on the screen there. And this is from Paul and his pen to the church in Ephesus. And he says this, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other as in Christ God forgave you. And again, if there's one thing you need to remember, if there's only one thing that you do over the Christmas season, if you can practice that verse and put that verse into into you actually obeying what it says and doing what it says, wow, you're going to have a really good holiday season. We focused on forgiveness the last couple of weeks. We talked about the story of the unmerciful servant last week. You can catch it online if you weren't here. And the week before, we did the story of the slave owner and his runaway slave from the book of Philemon. So today, I want to focus on a different angle of this, and I doubt you have ever uh, heard a message on this subject before, because it's a little bit obscure. Some of you may not even know the story from the Bible, even though you may have been reading the Bible for years. I want to focus on the top half there, the be kind and compassionate to one another. And we've, we've skipped over it the last couple of weeks because it's the easier part of the passage. Uh, but sometimes the tensions that we have with people are not necessarily because of sin. Sometimes there's, we just have tension with people. There's personality conflicts, there's, there's different views on different subjects, and they don't really have anything to do per se uh, with sin and transgression and the need of forgiveness. It's just you don't like the person. The person doesn't like you, and it's friction all the time. And some of this uh, will 
come to a place where it pops and, you know, you don't know what to do. You don't know how to handle it. Even in the, the household of faith, even in the church, uh, there are people who don't like each other. I hope you all like each other here, but I'm not naive. Like, you, you didn't choose to sit next to so-and-so all the time, you know? I mean, in, even in church life, if you're sitting next to your wife, I hope you like your wife. I hope you like your husband, you know, all that. But I'm just saying, like, relationships can be difficult, and sometimes there can be that friction, even in the church. And I've discovered that people in church have a really hard time handling conflict and handling disagreement. They don't know how to handle it. They, they seem to think that God creates little cookie-cutter Christians all the time, and he has this shape, and he just goes, boop, Christian number one, Christian number two, Christian number three. Thou shalt all think the same thoughts all the time. Thou shalt wear the same clothes all the time. Thou shalt have the same, you all should be identical. You all should be clones of one another. Like, do you know what that is? That's a cult, okay? That's not, that's not a church. In a church, you have diversity, you have diverse opinions, and when you have those kinds of things, you can have conflict. So how do you handle that? How do you be kind and compassionate to one another when you're not necessarily dealing with a sin issue? So I want to talk to you about a good old-fashioned disagreement in the New Testament, between two of the most godly, most mature people in the entire Bible, uh, you'll see it on the, on the next slide, this is a fight between Barnabas and Paul, and the subject of their, of their, uh, their disagreement, sharp, sharp disagreement, is John Mark. You may have never heard this story before. Again, it's, it's kind of obscure, but I want to talk to you about a very strong dispute that these two men uh, had. Uh, our, our guitar virtuoso there, uh, uh, Sean, was playing uh, before the service. You know the old song, The Eye of the Tiger from the Rocky movie? Well, you know, you have a, you've got a fight that's happening here. It wasn't a fist fight, obviously, between these two men. But I want to show you this, this quarrel and learn a few lessons uh, from it that hopefully will save you some agony over the uh, holiday season. We know a lot about the Apostle Paul. You hear preaching about the Apostle Paul all the time. He's the guy who was, was the, the, the man who persecuted the church, and he has this dramatic experience, and then he becomes this, this, this on-fire Christian who writes more than half of the New Testament. You hear about Paul all the time. But his opponent, if you will, in this quarrel is a man by the name of Barnabas. And we don't hear a lot about Barnabas, but I'm going to give you a little bit of background on him. By the way, if you have a Bible today, I'm going to fish around in a few passages of Scripture from the New Testament. It's kind of like a jigsaw puzzle that we're putting together here uh, because these passages are just diced here and there. So you can follow along with me or you can take notes on the screen, whatever you decide. I'll try and go slow for you. So who was Barnabas? We first meet him in the book of Acts in Acts chapter 4. And um, we see him in a section where people are trying to support, if you will, this new church, this new community of faith. And you actually have people who are selling their possessions and giving it to the, the community. 
And you first meet Barnabas this way. Verse 36 of Acts 4, his name is Joseph, but he's also called Barnabas. He's a Levite from Cyprus uh, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means we're told son of encouragement. And he sold a field, so he had property, he sold it, and he took the money and he brought all the money to the, the apostles and said, here's money for the new church. Uh, we know another couple who, that did that. Uh, do you remember their names? Ananias and Sapphira. They did the same thing, but they kept back some of the money secretly. Uh, and that's a, another story for another day. But, but uh, Joseph, Barnabas, we can call him, he gave the whole thing. And his name means son of encouragement. So we have a positive view of this fellow right away. And then we see him again. Uh, in the book of Acts, the, pretty well immediately after this, this, uh, this man, Paul, is, is blinded on the road to Damascus to get some letters to have Christians thrown in jail. Uh, he, is, he is turned 180 degrees on the spot and becomes this, this very intense follower of Jesus. And, um, but he has a bad, bad reputation, of course, and then he runs into Barnabas, Acts chapter 9, verses 26 to 27. Right away, people do not believe this guy, uh, Paul, or his, his Hebrew name, Saul. And uh, he's facing all kinds of challenges. Verse 26, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. Again, because of his reputation, not believing that he really was a disciple, but Barnabas, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the, the apostles, and he told them how Saul, uh, on, a, on his journey, had seen the Lord, how the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he preached fearlessly uh, in the name of Jesus. Again, he gets support from uh, Barnabas, and if you read the book of Acts uh, from Acts chapter 11, 26 to Acts 15 and 36, where, where we see the actual quarrel. These two, Paul and Barnabas, are like brothers. I mean, they go through all kinds of experiences together, and their names are mentioned together, Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas and Paul. I mean, they're like, they're, they're like brothers. They're a wonderful duo for the cause of Christ. More than 20 times you see their names mentioned together, uh, until the, the quarrel that they have that you'll see in a moment. Who was John Mark, who's the, the central figure of the, of the quarrel that they have? Uh, he is the writer of the Gospel of Mark, most probably through the voice of the Apostle Peter, who, who told him what to write. Uh, there's strong evidence of that from early church history, but he's a writer of the Gospel of Mark for sure. And we see him in particular in Acts, in Acts chapter 12 uh, and verse 12. There's a story there where the apostle Peter is thrown into prison and uh, there's a prayer meeting that takes place at a house to, to somehow that God would intervene and break him out of, out of prison. And uh, we see that he actually does get out of the prison, and then he, he shows up at the door of the prayer meeting and knocks on the door. And it's kind of funny because when he knocks on the door, they don't really believe that it's him. <laughs> Even though they're praying for him to get broken out of prison, they don't really believe that it's him once he, once he shows himself. Uh, in any case, you see um, 
uh, in verse 12, when this had dawned on him, and the him there uh, is Peter, that he actually had been released supernaturally from this prison, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark. It's the same person. Uh, where many people had gathered and were praying, and Peter knocks on the door. And it, again, it's an aside, but it's funny. The, the, this girl comes to the door, and she, she's, it's, she hears Peter's voice, and she goes back into the prayer meeting, and she says, it's his angel is at the door. She can't believe it, uh, even though they're praying for it. So, but it's John Mark who's there, and it's, it's his mother's house. So this is the second time where we see John Mark, and he would accompany uh, Paul and Barnabas, the dynamic duo, uh, you know, the Justice League of the, of the first century, you know, that he would accompany them uh, on Paul's first missionary journey that we see in Acts chapter 13. You with me so far? All right, so let me, let me read you a little bit of how that started out. Uh, in the church at Antioch, this is Acts 13, 1 to 4. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets, there were teachers. Uh, Barnabas is there. Another fellow named Simeon is there. Lucius is there. And you see different names. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, uh, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. Again, the same two men. Set them apart for the work that I've called them to. So they, they fasted and prayed and they lay their hands on these men and they send them off. And the two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit went down uh, to Seleucia. I'll show you that in a second. And sailed from there to Cyprus where they arrived at Salamis and they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues. And John was with them as their helper. This is the same John Mark. So you have these three guys, and they set off uh, on this first missionary journey uh, of the apostle Paul. And as we read through the account, there is one small detail and one only that leads to this quarrel that we shall soon see. It is in Acts chapter 13 and verse 13 from Paphos. Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. Full stop. That is the cause of a very big quarrel that Barnabas would have with Paul. So they're on their way somewhere, and John, Mark, abruptly goes back to Jerusalem. Let me show you on a map where we are, just so you don't, you don't fall asleep too, too much. So uh, they're saying from Paphos, uh, Paphos is, uh, let me see. So if you, if you look, um, uh, the little pink landmass there, you see where it says Cyprus, and you move your eyes down. So they're, they're over there at Paphos. They had started at Antioch in Syria. And they're over at Paphos, we're told. Uh, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, which is uh, Perga is up. You follow the little red line and you get to Perga. You with me so far there? So this is where John, Mark, abruptly decides to head way back down to Jerusalem. We're not told why. We're not told what he's thinking, but he just basically goes AWOL and says, you know, I'm leaving the Justice League and I'm, go I'm going back down to, to Jerusalem. 
And we don't know why. It's not explained to us. Uh, but this is what happens. And then we see later on, Paul does not forget this. And he has a quarrel, a sharp quarrel with Barnabas about Mark. If you go to the next slide, you see the quarrel in Acts chapter 15, verses 36 to 41. I want you to be thinking of the person that you quarrel with, and it's not necessarily for a sinful reason. Uh, the person at work, uh, the person in school, uh, it could be even someone in your family, and you just quarrel with them, and it, you, you, it's not really for a sinful reason. Now, I know that many of you, you work in conditions where you're probably the only Christian there in your environment, and sometimes you're mistreated uh, because of your Christianity, and you, there's a bit of persecution, actually, that's happening uh, because of your Christianity. I'm not really talking about that. I'm talking about a conflict that doesn't have to do with persecution or sin or transgression. Again, it has to do with just good old-fashioned conflict. Um, and here's the, here's the quarrel that we see in Acts 15, verses 36 to 41. They're getting set for a second journey, and uh, this is how it reads. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, they're still together, let us go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Sounds like a plan. Barnabas wanted to take John, who was also called Mark. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and not continued with them in the work. So Barnabas wants to bring this fellow John Mark, and Paul says, no, I don't want him. He's a deserter. He went AWOL on us, and I don't need someone who's not loyal to us and who's not going to do what we need him to do. Let him, I don't want him on our team. And it says there in verse 39, they had such a sharp disagreement. This dynamic duo had quite a, a, quite a quarrel over this that Luke even writes about it. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. They said, we're, we're, we don't want to work together anymore. We're going to part company. And Barnabas, he took Mark, and he sails for Cyprus. And Paul takes Silas, and he left and it says, commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord, and off they go. And there you have the quarrel. And I want to give you six little lessons on how to handle conflict and dispute in, in cases like this. And again, remember, I'm not talking to you about a sin issue per se. It's really convenient when we quarrel with people and we love to throw the sin card on the table. And we say, well, this is a moral thing that we're fighting about. The person sinned against me. It's really convenient to do that, but it's not always true. Much of the time, it, not, it isn't necessarily a sin issue. Sometimes it is, but much of the time it isn't. And we want to think the other person's sinning, and they want to think that we're sinning. But sometimes it's just good old-fashioned quarrel, conflict. I want to give you six lessons based on what we've seen, okay? Number one. Conflict or dispute is normal. It's normal. Now, I argue, and you know this, that the New Testament is an accurate picture of the events that took place 2,000 years ago, the life of Jesus of Nazareth, the start of the early church. If it is true 
we should expect to see something like this take place. If we're dealing with a real story, a real narrative, and, you know, it's not hocus-pocus where someone decide to invent this whole thing, man, we should see some quarreling. We should see some fighting with these people because, after all, they're human. Who in their right mind would go through the trouble to invent this rather complicated uh, little quarrel that we see buried underneath the surface of the book of Acts? Conflict and dispute is normal in life. And even amongst Christians... It is normal. It is not abnormal. In fact, if it's dealt with the right way, it's actually healthy because God makes people with different opinions and differing views and differing ideas, and sometimes they're, they're, they're opposed to one another. And again, this, I'm not talking about sin issues here. I'm talking just about, you know, someone sees it this way, someone sees it another way, and there's, there, it's tense. It can become tense. That's not a bad thing. The question is, how do you handle it? But the conflicts and the disputes are normal, and we see more of them uh, in the book of Acts and in the New Testament, not just this one, uh, but this is, a, this is a very realistic one. So don't think to yourself that there's something wrong with you if you're in conflict with somebody else. It's very, very normal to have this kind of thing happen. The question is, how do you deal with it? Number two, you can both be right and you can both be wrong. We always think that we're the one who's right and the other party is wrong. And they always think that they're the one who's right and we're the ones that are wrong. When you look at this account, they can both be right. They can both be wrong. Maybe Paul was right. Maybe, maybe he was wise to say, look, this guy, this guy John Mark is a deserter. Uh, he's unreliable. I don't want him. Maybe he was right. But maybe Barnabas was right. Maybe, Paul, you're making a big deal over nothing. Like, what's your, what's your problem? Why are you so high and mighty that you get to say who comes on the team and who doesn't? Didn't God commend us all to work together? You know, and you, you can see the fight begin to brew with these two men. They can both be right and they can both be wrong. In the end, it's not always about that. Those of you who are married and you quarrel about things that are not sin issues, you know that the thing itself isn't the issue. <laughs> you can argue about, you know, you didn't do this or you didn't do this or you, you burnt the toast or whatever. You're not arguing about burnt toast. You're arguing about something else and the burnt toast is just a symptom of it, right? You, you know, and then after, after the fight is over, you say, what were we fighting about again? I can't remember. That's because it wasn't about the burnt toast, right? Husbands and wives, you can look at each other and say, yeah, it wasn't really about the burnt toast. Uh, sometimes it's not whether you're right or whether you're wrong. It's not whether you win or whether you lose. It's how you play the game. Are you going to argue and conflict in a fair fashion or are you going to do so in a dirty way? Uh, because when you've got personality conflicts that are happening, again, we're not dealing with a sin issue per se. You can both be right and you can both be wrong. It isn't about that in the end. It's about how you handle yourselves. And when you look at this dispute, well, you could side with either one of these two gentlemen and, well, perhaps an argument uh, about right or wrong could be made in either case. Number three, keep your conflict and your dispute local. I put it in quotes there. Keep it local. Is it working on the... 
Is it working here? Can you, Justin, can you come to the rescue? Re-import the, um, re-import the PowerPoint from the, from the folder. Go to File, Import PowerPoint, and import the November 18th, or the, uh, it's called Agree to Disagree. Talk to your neighbor for a minute, okay? <laughs> yeah, agree to disagree, import it. It's going to open PowerPoint. It's going to close PowerPoint. And then Justin, he's got to drag it to the, to the thingamabob, and then it should come back. And we should have Humpty Dumpty back. In any case, um, you, you, you keep the conflict or your dispute local. What do I mean by this? We see that Paul would talk about um, he would have the luxury because he's writing more than half of the New Testament. Paul would talk about Barnabas at a later date. Uh, we can see it in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Uh, he mentions Barnabas, and it's curious how he mentions him. He does not uh, talk about the squabble that they had. Are you recovered yet? You're all looking dumbfounded. Okay, um, um, he, he has the luxury because he's writing to the Corinthians. He could say, oh, this Barnabas, what a this and what a that he is. And Barnabas did this to me and Barnabas did that to me. He could make all kinds of remarks about Barnabas's character. And what does he do in 1 Corinthians 9, verses 5 to 6? He mentions Barnabas, but in a rather positive way. Uh, he's talking about uh, uh, the right of the apostle uh, to, to live their life, so to speak. And he says, this is my defense of those who sit in judgment on me, Paul says. Don't we have the right to food and drink? Uh, don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us, as do the other apostles and, and the Lord's brothers and Cephas, which is Peter? Or is it only I and Barnabas who must work for a living? So presumably he's mentioning how Barnabas may be single, just as Paul is single, but he's not mentioning Barnabas in a negative way. He, he has the luxury of doing so, but he isn't doing that, and he's mentioning Barnabas in a positive way, along with himself, even though this is after the conflict that they had. Have you still worked it out? Hey, you guys, I mean, three of you together, we figured amidst the great, thank you so much for doing that. Um, uh, where am I? You all were looking at the screen. I saw you. You were all looking to see if they were smart enough to pull it off. At least they didn't conflict with one another, right? Uh, so in 1 Corinthians 9, 5 to 6, he doesn't mention Barnabas in a bad way. Here's what happens when we conflict with somebody today, especially with social media. We have the opportunity. Paul had social media in his day. It's a little slower, He's writing with a piece of, uh, you know, uh, a little rod on a piece of papyrus, but he's sending letters all over the place. The letters are being read by myriads of people. So he had social media. He could have used the social media of his day to troll the whole thing with him and, and Barnabas. He did not. But this is what we do today, okay? We'll, we'll go on Twitter. We'll go on Facebook. We'll go on social media, and we'll just... We'll air it all out for anyone who we want to see it to see it. Well, this is not what Paul does. This is not what Barnabas does. This argument is kept very, very local. It's intense enough that Luke writes about it. 
But then it seems to drop off the pages of the New Testament like a rock. And and Paul does not bring it up. He does not take the chance that he has to trash Barnabas. And this is a good thing. This is a sign of maturity, a mature uh, a person mature in their character, in particular a Christian, though they may have the opportunity to do so, will resist the opportunity to do so. Keep your disagreements and your arguments local. Don't spread them. And it's difficult to do that because now we have examples of this happening all over the world. I mean, we have, we, we have world political leaders, I won't mention names, uh, who, who use the public forum to air their, sometimes their private beefs. And, you know, we, we're sort of scratching our heads saying, uh, is that the appropriate way to handle that? Well, if you look into the scripture, this is not the way that Paul handled it. This is not the way that Barnabas handled it. Keep your conflict and your dispute local. If it's not a sin issue, you don't have to, you, you don't have to do, you know, what Jesus said. You go and you tell your brother when they sinned against you. If that doesn't work, you take two or three. If that doesn't work, you involve the whole ecclesia. You don't have to do that. This is a personal conflict that you're having. Keep your conflict and your dispute local. Number four, um, keep peace on your end. I put that in quotes. It's not working there, but it's working there. We'll leave it as is. Uh, keep, keep your conflict, uh, uh, I'm sorry, keep your conflict, your dispute local, and keep peace on your end. This is uh, the words of Paul uh, in Romans chapter uh, 12, and he, he slips this in, again, talking about relationships and revenge and all these kinds of things, and he says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. In other words, it's not always going to be possible. You're not always going to have peace with everyone. But as far as it depends on you, you can control you. You make the effort to live at peace with that person. They may not reciprocate that, but at least you are making the effort. You want to try and keep the peace on your end. Keep the peace on your end. And for these two men, when they had this conflict... The solution that they both seemed to agree on was to part company and to go their separate ways. Say, wow, that's really harsh. Uh, Well, it seemed that that was the best solution for the two of them. I have seen this happen before. Sometimes it happens uh, in the business world. I've seen it happen even in the church world uh, where there's a parting of the ways, so to speak, uh, because the, the conflict and the quarrel is intense enough that the parties will never agree, and it's better for everyone that they part company. You say, wow, that's in the Bible? Yes, it's in the Bible, and it does happen. Uh, Now, again, husbands and wives, it's a totally different thing, okay? I'm not advocating that if you conflict with each other about burnt toast that you part company. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about something very different. I hope you understand that, but here, uh, you know, they, they wanted to keep the peace, but they recognized, well, This is the best way to keep it. And sometimes that happens. And these are two of the most godly men that you will meet in the entire Bible. Fascinating. Number five, God can still bless you. Because he still blessed them, uh, even in their their conflict and their disagreement. You look at the verses there, uh, verses uh, 39 to 41 of Acts um, 15. They had such a sharp disagreement. Yeah, you're there. Such a sharp disagreement, they parted company. Barnabas takes Mark. He goes one way. Paul takes Silas. He goes another way. And look at verse 41. 
He went through Syria and Cilicia, uh, strengthening the churches. And you see that the, the grace of God, the, the, the power of God, continues to work in both of these men's lives. As you watch them and you, you, you see what happens. God doesn't smite Paul and say, oh, you know, you argued with Barnabas over Mark, and so your ministry is now defunct. Uh, it seems to me that the grace of the Lord went with these men, even though they decided to go their separate ways. God can still bless you, even if you're in conflict, even if you're in disagreement, if you handle the thing uh, properly. And uh, number six, and this is the last point here, be open to a change of heart. Always be open to a change of heart. The story has an interesting conclusion. Uh, I have left out a, um, a juicy detail uh, on purpose. If you look at, uh, you follow these men through the New Testament in Colossians chapter 4, this is a letter that Paul wrote from prison. Um, he writes um, uh, and addresses people here. Uh, Colossians 4 verse 10. My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends you his greetings as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. Hmm. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. The reason why Barnabas was a fan of John Mark is because he was family. You ever seen a fight in church because of families? I've seen many. <laughs> There's an old saying, blood is thicker than water. Okay, and, and here you have, you have uh, a case where, hey, I'm going to side, uh, Barnabas speaking, with my cousin, John Mark, on this one because we're family. So, Paul, this is, the, this is the dispute. This is the disagreement. Very, very realistic. I have seen this kind of thing uh, over, over years. I can think of many, many situations where I have seen that kind of thing uh, play out. Uh, but look at his attitude towards Mark is positive. Why is it that Paul, later on in his life, he, he, for some reason, and we don't really know the reason, has Mark in his company, and he speaks positively about him. You've received instructions about him. If he comes to you, you welcome this man. Wow, amazing the change of heart that Paul had. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Another little reference uh, that, that pieces the story together is uh, Paul's letter to uh, Philemon, the slave owner. We looked at this a couple of weeks ago, and maybe you caught it when we, when we read it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, verses 23 and 24, again from prison. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. As do Mark. Wow, Mark is mentioned there as well. Sends his greetings. Aristarchus, uh, uh, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. Wow, so all of a sudden, Mark is a fellow worker with Paul? He's had a change of heart, is what he's had. He's practicing what he preaches, is what he's doing. And you see that this whole thing of be kind and compassionate to one another is exactly what he is doing. And he's, he, for some reason, we don't know why, he has changed his view of the young John Mark over time. And we see lastly in uh, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4, verses 9 to 11, this would be even later uh, in, in Paul's life. And he says this, only Luke is with me. 
get Mark. This is later, later on in Paul's life as he's nearing the end of his life. He says, only Luke is with me. Uh, get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. Wow. The deserter who went AWOL. Paul is now asking for later on in his life. And he even says, he's helpful to me. Amazing. The change of heart that he has he has had and that he has experienced. We don't know why he had that change, uh, but perhaps he was putting everything that he wrote down uh, into practice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ, God forgave you. It works when you're dealing with a sin issue and it works even when you're not dealing with something of that nature. Have you ever heard a message like that before? Probably not. You're probably, wow, I didn't know that was even in the Bible. But if you practice those six things, boy, I promise you, you will have a more pleasant, a more pleasant holiday season. Will you stand with me, please? I invite the band if they would come and uh, if they would please get ready to sing that song about grace. Again, grace is when you, you, you're giving something to someone that they don't deserve. And God gave us grace uh, in Christ. So it's great to sing about that as we close. Let me pray for you and they can go ahead and lead us one time in that song. Go ahead and play in the background if you want, guys. Father.